Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, we remember the hell in the cell 20 years later. Who could be going where in NBA free agency? And what is Sony thinking when it comes to the Spider-Verse? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you tuning in to all of our great shows. And it wouldn't be a PCC Multiverse without my good friend. He is the man, the legend, and the myth. Behind Humanica Media, you got to check out all the great things he's doing today, including his novel that he's just about finishing up, all the great stuff that he's recording, all the great videos on his YouTube page, and all the great podcasts that he's doing right now. It is my good friend. It's Josh Peterson. What's up, man? Hey, hey, hey. Not much, man. Just uh, sitting here getting my daily intake of political postings on Facebook and doing some some podcasting, you know? So, uh One's better than the other. I'll let you guess which one. Wow. What a shock that there's some political ads on social media. But it's going to be a great episode we have for everyone coming up today. We've got Billy Donnelly from Intelligent Wrestling Conversation. He and I are going to be remembering the Helena Cell with Undertaker and Mankind, the 20th anniversary of the Helena Cell one of the most famous matches in all of professional wrestling history. And he and I are going to delve into why it's so special and the effects out of that match. Anthony Barberin is also going to be stopping by talking about the latest in NBA free agency. It's right around the corner and all the places where players are going to go and all the potential stops that they could make. There's some big names on the board, including LeBron James, Possibly even Kawhi Leonard could be traded, Paul George, and so many other big names could go to different places, or they could stay with their own teams. We're going to talk to Anthony to find out where he thinks some of these big-name players will go in NBA free agency. Josh and I are going to be talking about Sony's crazy thinking when it comes to the Spider-Verse. But first, Josh, let's get everybody up to date on what's going on in the latest and greatest in pop culture This weekend at the movies, not only domestic, but a lot of stuff going on worldwide. The latest releases are Uncle Drew 
and also Sicario, Day of the Soldado. Both are expected to perform somewhere in the mid-teens domestically in the U.S., but worldwide, people are still going gaga over The Incredibles 2 and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Your thoughts this weekend on the movies that are out there. Are we just waiting for The Ant-Man and the Wasp to come around? Because I have a feeling this is like kind of like a buffer week. Even though Uncle Drew and also Sicario, Day of the Soldado, is something that could surprise at theaters and make eh, not necessarily a run for the money with the two big top movies, but at least it could surprise and actually prove to be a profitable film in their own right. Yeah, I mean, the first Sicario has fans for sure. Also, I don't think they would have gone ahead and made a second one. But I think right now with uh, Jurassic World, which we'll need to talk about one day, having made its debut in theaters from this point forward, then the next big next big movie that's on people's radars to come out is going to be ant-man and wasp so between now and what is it the it's next week or the right? july 6th yeah so between now and then i mean it's it's probably jurassic world will rule the box office and i don't i don't see anything coming out that's going to dethrone them so to speak but uh not that it doesn't deserve to be dethroned but you know, another topic for another day. <laughs> um, well, that day will be this coming Monday on our big Monday show, the Pop Culture Cosmos show, because I want to hear your in-depth thoughts on Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom and whether or not it's going to take the series even further. It looks like it may do, maybe not this weekend, but by next weekend, it will do over a billion dollars. And that's a great sign for Universal as well. Yeah, we'll talk about it. I got some thoughts on it. Yeah, until Ant-Man and Wasp come out, I think it's the next big thing on people's radar. But I don't know. What do you, what do you think, Sicario? Because I, I never saw the first one. I don't know about you, but I heard good things. It's just not, not something I'm interested in. Well, And that's surprising, being that you are kind of a fan of Denis Villeneuve's work, seeing how Blade Runner 2049 was our pick for the best movie of 2017. Plus, he has The Rival, which I know you and I are... It's like all over the place, and people should check out some of our back episodes on that one. But Denis Villeneuve actually did a great job with Sicario. I thought that was a really just tense movie and very gritty throughout. Day of the Soldado is coming out now. I plan to check it out at some point in time, but it's not a major rush to go see movie. But it's definitely something I want to follow up on because I did check out this year sicario and it was well worth the wait i thought that was really a well-made movie and even though this was not directed by denis villeneuve himself it is still something that has a couple of the stars returning for it josh brolin and benicio del toro are back in their roles and it could provide some excitement so i definitely want to see it at some point in time uncle drew that could surprise with a lot of movie audiences out there Look for that one maybe to exceed expectations because of the fact that NBA is still a, a great topic of conversation at this point in time. But there's also other great stuff to talk about when it comes to the world of pop culture. I know the rumors are bound that they're now searching for a director for the Black Widow movie. I know that's something that a lot of people are excited about hearing. Looking more and more each day like that's going to be a done deal. Some of the other things that are going on, Halo finally got rewarded as a TV series. It's finally being picked up as a TV series by Showtime. That's some great news for Halo fans. We'll have to wait and see if it's 
there there was really been one great mini series out on it and then there's been another series that really looked like was made out of somebody's garage so we'll have to see which version we're going to get when that comes out and the talk continues about sony being reluctant to address the issue of crossplay and and how the fallout from that as far as really is getting bad and sony has responded to that saying that is something that they may address but there's still no sign yet that they are going to confirm and have crossplay become a true part of the playstation system so those are some things going on with pop culture at this point in time josh anything you want to run down what i was talking about when it comes to pop culture the black widow movie sony or anything else that you want to talk about before we head on out on this segment yeah as far as the black widow movie goes i'm i'm actually pretty excited about that i She's never been my favorite character, but I like the idea of seeing where they go with a solo story featuring her. Also, I don't know if we talked about this, but Toys R Us, this is its last week in business, and then it will be disappearing for good. That's right. In North America, I believe abroad, it's still available. I think in Canada, I'm not sure about the UK, but I I believe abroad that people have said over social media that it still will be active, at least for the short term. Right. And I know there's a company trying to bring it back or the former CEO of Toys R Us is trying to bring it back here. So we'll see what happens. I would love to see KB Toys come back in the malls. You know, who knows what's going to go on down the line? Who knows? Indeed, I would like to see a brick and mortar toys store of some type be something that people can go to continuously instead of just trying to have to depend on either Walmart, Target or going online to an Amazon and whatnot here domestically in the United States. But we'll definitely have to wait and see if that's even viable, because obviously if it wasn't viable for Toys R Us and they were the name in standalone toy selling, then who could come along and try to do different? Someone's going to come in and and bring back to life the toy store experience in and of itself. So we'll, we'll wait and see on that. But That is some great things going on to catch you up with pop culture at this point in time. We're going to be coming right back here with Anthony Barbarin talking about the NBA free agency, which is right around the corner this weekend. I'm so excited to know where everybody's going to go. He's going to share his thoughts coming up in a sec. But first, we have Carrie O'Sullivan-Holmes. She sent this into us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. And if you're an independent music artist and you want to have your song played, Send it to us, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. But this is I Love You the Most, and this is the PCC Multiverse. She'll tell you that she needs you and won't you come running like a good man. Yeah. 
Listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Mm, nothing's better when grilling your favorite meal than adding some delicious Wheelie Q rubs, seasonings, and gluten free barbecue sauce. Made with the finest ingredients, Wheelie Q products pack a ton of flavor to your meals, whether it's ribs, chicken, steak, hamburgers, fries, or vegetables. To get your hands on some of these tasty Wheelie Q items, head on over to www.wheelieq.com and a portion of all profits made will go into finding a cure for spinal muscular atrophy. PCC Multiverse listeners, act now and get 15% off your order today just by entering the promo code POD2. That's P-O-D and the number 2 at checkout. For the tastiest food on the grill, nothing's better than Wheelie Q items today at wheelieq.com. We're talking NBA today because the season is over, but the fun for NBA is just about to begin. It is time for the NBA free agency season. And who better to talk about the NBA than our man in the know when it comes to the round ball action? It's our good friend, Anthony Barberin. Free agency is around the corner. In a way, it's already almost begun with the decisions that are going to be made in San Antonio by one Kawhi Leonard actually wanting to leave San Antonio, although him and Greg Popovich have had recent talks in California you know, near where you're at, my friend, in regards to hopefully trying to patch things up or seeing exactly where Kawhi's head is at. It looks like still that Kawhi wants out of San Antonio. He's asked for a trade to the Lakers or the Clippers, preferably the Lakers. I'm sorry, man. But he said L.A., okay. But we all know what that meant. That might dictate a lot of things when it comes to free agency, including the possible rival to LeBron and Paul George. I don't think it's going to happen, personally, that all three of them are going to be end up on the team. I think Boston and Philadelphia has a little bit better assets than the Lakers to move for a Kawhi Leonard. Plus, I don't think Greg Popovich just doesn't really want to help the Lakers in any way, shape, or form. But that leads us into free agency with a lot of movement that's expected and start off with LeBron James. So I'm going to hit it right at you, my friend. LeBron James is an unrestricted free agent come July 1. Where does he end up come July 10th? Is he going to be back on Cleveland Or is he going to head somewhere else? There's been rumor and speculation, Boston, L.A., both L.A. teams, Houston, Portland, just it's out there, man. Where do you think LeBron James is going to end up this time, say, July 10th, when he finally makes another announcement or a decision, I should say? I actually think this will be unlike his other two free agency years. I kind of see him letting things play out a little bit 
whereas he's been the the the, the piece that falls first and everybody else goes after that. I think this will be a time where he lets some other pieces fall, a la Paul George, maybe the Kawhi trade, because I know a lot of people have him moving into this stage of his career where he's setting up the rest of everything, you know, being a brand, uh, business acumen, that thing. But I, I think his in his mind, I think he's still in championship mode. I think he still wants to win championships and compete as a, at a high level. And so for him, I think it's it's about what's going to play out. And I, I see him going to a number of places. You keep hearing the Lakers. I think that's a possibility. The Clippers, a possibility. Staying in Cleveland is a possibility. Houston, I hear, but I don't really see him going to Houston for the simple fact of the way they play basketball. He wants to move off the ball, but playing in that system off the ball is literally standing, waiting for someone to pass it to you. And I don't think that's the kind of game he wants to play. Dark horse candidate, New Orleans, playing with Anthony Davis, maybe a sign and trade with, with, with DeMarcus Cousins, and stay, even staying in the Eastern Conference. I mean, to me, they're so, it's so wide open with him. I don't even think he knows where he wants to go yet, which is why I said in this instance, he'll wait and, and see how things play out. So because of that, there's not a, a, a clear cut place. So I'm just going to say the Clippers. <laughs> <laughs> why not? Why not? Yeah. You know, hope, hope. I actually think if he could get another player to go with him, that's the best fit for him because of the roster was already on the roster. I think they, they, they arguably are ready to compete now. If there's a, a, say, a Paul George, if he and Paul George got together and say, we're going to go somewhere and play, the roster that would be there is the best roster for him as far as they they slot in at the two and the three with Tobias Harris, with DeAndre Jordan, with Patrick Beverly and Lou Williams off the bench. I think that's that's a great fit. But there's there's no telling where he's going to go. Well, at this point, I, I say that's not too far-fetched, my friend. The only thing is that beloved cap space. You mentioned the New Orleans Pelicans in the mix. Well, remember, uh, DeMarcus Cousins is an unrestricted free agent. He would have to agree to terms if he were to be traded in a sign-and-trade with LeBron. They would both be doing a sign-and-trade with Cleveland on that. And I'm not sure if I was Cleveland, I would want to take back somebody working off of a torn Achilles tendon. That would be an issue with me. I'm just going to be honest with you on that. I wouldn't be in love with it. I'm not exactly in love with the fact that you know, any DeMarcus Cousins rumors to the Lakers, just for the fact that, again, this is a player that has a torn Achilles tendon, and it is very tough to come back, especially thinking that, okay, he's a seven foot, 280, 300 pounder. So no matter how talented you are, you're never going to come back as the same player. It's never been proven yet that you can come back as the same player. I mean, Kobe Bryant, Wesley Matthews has not been the same player. He's 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 still a very solid player, but he's never been the same player that he once was before the injury. And there's there's a list of others as well. So I want to ask you this. Uh, I will say, uh, well, I will say this. When it comes to LeBron James, do I think he's going to go to the Lakers? That's a possibility. He does have a home in L.A. They do have maximum amount of cap space. He could get him and Paul George there. I don't think you're going to get all three with him and Kawhi Leonard, but I really think that's a possibility, both him and Paul George. 
if he's willing to accept the team that's around him. The team that's around him is not bad. It's a 35-win team. So with them, they could be, you know, you gain another 15, 20 games out of it. So I could say they can compete with the Western Conference. I don't know if they're going to be as good as the Golden State Warriors. I don't think at this point in time you could say they will be. But, you know, I think that's a good start as far as cap space. If it was to the point where he just didn't care about money, at all and just cared about winning, he would probably go to Houston. I think that would probably be the best fit for him there. I think they have the opportunity to go ahead and sign him there if they wanted to. I think both ways it, it could work if Chris Paul and him worked out some type of discount for both of them. But we've heard from Chris Paul, he doesn't want to take a discount. So right. it, it's not going to work there either. So where else? Boston? Boston, you know, they've got money, they've got assets to move. But the problem is they've got a ton of forwards. Right. And uh, you know, where does that leave LeBron? Uh, so LeBron plays there. He's going to take up the bulk of minutes. What does that do to Brown, Tatum, Hayward, and, and the whole nine yards? Horford even. You know, what, what do you do with that as far as all those similar-sized athletes that you've got there? Yeah. At this point in time, it's tough. But I, I think the Lakers, and I don't mean this because just because I'm a Lakers fan and I would be happy to see him there, I just think logistically, from what it works out at this point in time, he either stays in Cleveland or goes to L.A. at this point in time. I want to ask you this, touching on other free agency issues. There is also Paul George, who said he wanted to be in Los Angeles, so that could be a given there, unless he wants to go back to Oklahoma City, although that didn't work out as well as they had hoped. Name me another free agent that you think is going to generate a lot of interest during this offseason, and where do you think that individual could go? Because I've got one in mind as well. With the Paul George thing, I've been hearing a lot about him staying in OKC. I think he liked playing with another superstar. I think that aspect appealed to him because he spent so many years in Indiana playing by himself, being the only superstar. He, he and Danny Granger kind of didn't overlap where they were both at the peak of their games. So being able to play and not have the entire load on him, I think is something that appeals to him. The other player that could really change, not necessarily change things, but there's two. Like you said, there's um, DeMarcus Cousins. And just because of how impactful he can be, um, I think a smaller team, a team that has nothing right now, will take that chance. I'm also hearing DeAndre Jordan wants out. And he wants to, from rumors, he, he wants to go to Houston. So I think that can be something that, that can really change the way the game is played. They would have to move off of Clint Capella, but that's another name I think could, uh, could end up in the free agent market. I think Clint Capella plays the role almost as well as a DeAndre Jordan could, probably better because he's a better free throw shooter. Even if they're, they're both getting re-signed to deals and – comparatively speaking, I think DeAndre Jordan is an older, more expensive version of Clint Capella that shoots worse at free throws. Yeah, I, I could kind of concur with that. I think it all hinges on what Clint Capella asks for because right now DeAndre Jordan's getting tad over $20 million, 23 yeah. something out there. But I can actually see Clint Capella commanding somewhere around there, 18, 19, in that range. It kind of reminds me of DeAndre Jordan's initial burst on the scene and Golden State offered him, you know, a deal as a restricted free agent 
that caused the Clippers to have to overpay for him at that time. I can see the same type of thing happening with Clint Capella. But it also goes to keeping your stars. Chris Paul, who I, I think is, is no-brainer, he resigns with Houston, might want DeAndre. They, you know, they repaired their relationships the last year with the Clippers. And I can see that, you know, if he wants that guy in there, that that's something they could do to appease him. I'm probably going to say if there's any other free agents that's going to affect the marketplace, I think De- DeMarcus Cousins, even with his injury, will affect the marketplace. I think there's there's one individual out there that might change teams and actually uh, get the interest going for that franchise. Could be Julius Randle. I think he uh, had a greatly improved year last year. I think the Lakers will regret not picking up that last year of his contract. And now that he's on a restricted status, I don't think if the Lakers are confronted with a large offer for him, which I think he will get, because I think there's some teams out there that will pay for his services, 15 to 17 million. I don't think the Lakers will match it. They could do it in a sign and trade as far as match it and then try to send it to him to get some assets back on the deal because they have so much cap space right now. But I don't see him long term if he asks for and gets over 15 to 17 million a year, him being something that the Lakers, even though they're very happy with what he did, are, are still going to be able to retain him long term because they have, for lack of a better term, bigger fish to fry when it comes to LeBron James and Paul George and Kawhi and all that. So I, I think that he's going to be a casualty of the situation for Lakers fans out there. I don't think he will be staying on the team, although you know he's he has his limitations, but he is definitely a someone that can be an asset for your team. I think Dallas, I think, is, is a good opportunity for him because he's from the Texas area. I think any other team with cap space out there that is interested in a very solid power forward is going to look into his services and, and definitely look into getting him at a rate that's reasonable. Now, if it does, the, the, if the bidding war goes to 15 to 17 million, like I said, not only is it going to price out a lot of other teams, but it's going to price out the Lakers as well. But I think he's someone that can move the needle, doesn't move it greatly, but it sends that, that franchise in a positive direction because he, he is a good player. Uh, still very young at 23 and, and definitely has his whole future ahead of him. Yeah, I agree. I, and I've thought this for a while is that Dallas will go after him. I think Dallas will get him early, which will negate the Lakers being able to resign him. Even if everything else falters, they can't they can't go in on Julius Randle and and still be in a position to go after who they're trying to go after. But I think he'll get a big contract from Dallas and he'll end up there. Another guy is is that I think will get a bigger contract and and a end up on another team is Aaron Gordon. I think he'll get around that same amount, 18 million. I could even see somebody giving him 20 a year. Yeah. But I don't think Orlando is going to match that. I think they'll let him walk. I would. I'm going to say right now, I would. I don't uh, think he's worth that. I think he's a decent player, streaky shooter, very athletic, who doesn't do enough for you on the defensive end. I agree on the defensive end. I think offensive – I think he also suffers from playing in Orlando. I mean, most people do. I uh, put him on a better <laughs> team with a better coach. Better you, you say that's like a bad thing. Okay, I'm spending too much time at Disney <laughs> World, man. Uh, you know, I'm just you know, not, not concentrating on the floor. They actually were in the finals in the century at one point in time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you see him with a, with a coach that somebody like 
which they probably won't get. I'm just throwing somebody, San Antonio, somebody who a coach that can get the best out of him and, and use him the way he needs to be used. I, I think he, he can be a legitimate player, a ro- not, not a rotational guy, but a legitimate foundational player on your team. But, you know, I don't think Orlando's good enough and they've made the proper moves in personnel, at players or coaches or office up in management to handicap themselves by getting them. They are in the, in the, in the mode where they got to find a franchise guy somehow. And I don't think Aaron Gordon is, is, is the guy they want to attempt to make that guy. You got to ask yourself, do you want to plug up a good chunk of your salary cap to this guy if you're Orlando? And if I was running Orlando, I would say no. Right. He's a great player, a complimentary piece at 10 to 12 million, but at 20, 2022, 20, even at 15 to 17, I, I, I don't know. I just don't think he, you know, you've already got enough bad contracts there. And I could very much see that happening as far as him teetering on a bad contract than a good one. But like, like I said, that's that somebody's going to be able to be enamored enough with them that they're going to sign him to a big contract and dare Orlando right. into, yeah, matching it exactly. So that's that's an excellent suggestion on that. I I agree with you wholeheartedly, one hundred percent on Aaron Gordon. Anthony, it's been so great taking the time to be on the show. Just cannot wait to have you back on talking some more round ball with you, my friend. Always love coming on. Can't wait to be on again. It's going to be interesting to see what happens, what unfolds uh, after this moratorium and see what the NBA has in store for next season. Anthony, it's always great talking the NBA with you, my friend. Always great doing it for Inside Sports and, of course, right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. Game ticket, $50. Hot dog. $8. Team store item? $25. Having to listen to someone's dumb sports opinions? Worthless. Some people shouldn't talk sports. For everyone else, there's the Unspoken Podcast. Available on most podcasting platforms. And on the web at theunspokensportspodcast.weebly.com. And we're back with the PCC Multiverse. Just gotta let you know out there, we're on radio seven days a week. If you need to look at our schedule and find out exactly which days are best to you to listen to the show on either online radio or now we're on FM as well, check it out today at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook or at Pop Culture Cosmo on Twitter. Josh, speaking of us on radio, I want to give a big shout out to Isaac at Youth Jam Radio. If you're in Australia, you got to check out Youth Jam Radio. He actually took our show our Thursday night show where we're on, he actually broke it up into segments and it's now spanned out over a two hour period mixed in with a whole bunch of great pop music. So that's just awesome. How do you like the fact that it goes from Josh Peterson talking about the latest in pop culture and it goes right into possibly even a Taylor Swift song? Ooh, uh, that's, that's honestly like something that I never expected to happen or think about. So, um, you know, if it's a flattering Taylor Swift song, I mean, I guess I'm okay as long as the song's not about me, which it isn't. So, yeah, weird things do happen. Very innovative and great how he's taken our show and into doing that. So, if you want to check out the Pop Culture Cosmos show that we drop every Monday in a different type of feel, check out Youth Jam Radio 
Thursday night, Australia time, I believe 7 p.m. Cannot thank Isaac enough for doing that. Josh, what's the latest on Topicocalypse? Yeah, we uh, we made it to the feature page on Podbean and also we're up on Spotify now, which is create a nice little spike in downloads. So if you haven't uh, had a chance yet, please go check out the Topicocalypse page on either Podbean or iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher or any of your preferred podcasting outlets. We'd be incredibly grateful. But we just put up an episode about commencement speakers, and I asked the guys, hey, remember back when you were graduating high school or college, what would you have wanted to be told? Would you wanted to have some guy up there just blowing rainbows up your backside, or would you have wanted to be told, hey, life gets tough. You might not end up being what you want to be, but you know, you're alive and there's always hope. You always have the opportunities to climb higher up the ladder. So we debate on that. It's a good episode. We don't really reach any conclusions because we're all kind of divided on it, but I would definitely check it out. That's awesome. And speaking of Spotify, the Pop Culture Cosmos channel is now available on Spotify. So you're going to get all the great things that we have on our channel, including the Pop Culture Cosmos show, the PCC Multiverse, and all of the PCC Present shows. Those are going straight to all you great Spotify users. So if you love Spotify and you're out there and you love the Pop Culture Cosmos, they are now together as well, along with Topicocalypse. So check them out today the Topicocalypse and Pop Culture Cosmos channel on Spotify. My friend, Sony, we talked about a little bit earlier when it comes to their reluctance for the PlayStation 4 to go multi-platform as far as cross-play and be able to play nice-nice when it comes to an online experience with other console players. They're just not having a good week, my friend, because they are just going into it full board with the Spider-Verse, and now they announced that Jared Leto will play Morbius in a Spider-Man spinoff movie. We've talked about this before, my friend. It's really gone haywire when it comes to their thinking, and we don't even know how well or how successful the Spider-Verse is going to be because we are not exactly of the highest opinion that Venom, which is the next movie in the Spider-Verse, is going to do very well at all. So I ask you, Josh, how can Morbius with Jared Leto, Miles Morales movie, a Black Cat movie, a Silver Sable movie, or even another movie that they've talked about that they're going to be looking into developing, Silk, what are all these characters going to be doing with their own spinoff movies in a Spider-Verse if Venom doesn't do so well? I think that Sony's kind of like DC right now, the DCU in the fact that they keep announcing things, whether or not we're going to see them, we, you know, I don't know. Venom took very little time to create, so that's what kind of worries me about it. But what they're doing is they're isolating Spider-Man. So, you know, they make all these movies. All, they're building a universe, using those characters to build a universe, much like what Marvel and Warner Brothers has. And they're doing it without Spider-Man. So they're isolating their main character because as long as Spider-Man's under contract with Sony then they can't use him, I guess, unless there's some kind of contract negotiation. But it's they're, they're taking all these characters and they're creating this universe and it's not going to have Spider-Man. So what happens when Marvel wants to use Venom or Morbius or Dr. Octopus or any of these characters or Silver Sable? Like These are all key Spider-Man characters. They're part of what makes his comic book so great. And they're basically setting it up so unless there's some kind of contract negotiation they can't use them. And I'm not a huge fan of that because I, while I like the idea of Marvel 
spinning up new Spider-Man characters for him to fight. I just I'm not a big fan of him not being able to use the things that made his universe so interesting. So that's what kind of irks me about this. But, you know, we, we don't know what's going to be put into production. What's not? I guess the Morbius thing is real. But here's what bothers me about the Morbius thing is that though he was a conflicted villain, he was still a villain. He was never an antihero, not in the comic books, kind of like how for a while back there is talk of Craven. They're like, Craven's going to get his own movie starring, you know, Antonio Banderas or something like that. I don't remember what the, who was supposed to star in that, but he was never an anti-hero either. He's just a conflicted villain, but that's just like, why, why do we need it? Who in their right mind said, Hey, I want to watch a Morbius movie because there's blade Marvel's working on bringing back blade. So I don't know, man. Like I I just, I have all these characters. I have no desire to see. They're trying to create a joint universe and it's just, it's not, Without Spider-Man, Spider-Man is what makes his villains interesting. If not for Spider-Man, they'd just be villains. But Spider-Man is what brings that extra dimension to these characters. And without him, I just don't see this going anywhere. And that brings me up to this point. We got the announcement last week, well, in a uh, leaked fashion, quote unquote. And I say that because at this time it was actually planned by Tom Holland, where he leaked the title for the next movie that's currently underway in, in production, which is Spider-Man Far From Home, in this movie or subsequent Spider-Man movies, should these characters be introduced in that world first so that you can test the market to see there's actually enough fan interest and great response with these characters before you decide to say, hey, let's go spin it off on our own? Yeah, usually. I mean, that's another thing, too. They're they're making a big assumption by thinking that these characters are going to do well on their own. But, you know, like I said, even with like Black Cat and Silver Sable, it was their relationship to Spider-Man. Not to say that a female can't carry her own movie in the Spider-Man verse, but it was their relationship to Peter Parker and Spider-Man that made it such like a, a fun, interesting dynamic. Here's the thing, too. Like people know who Spider-Man is. Unless you watch the cartoon in the 90s, you're only going to be mildly familiar with some of these villains and some people might not be familiar with them at all so going out and having them make their own movies without having the character that brings them all together in them i just i don't think it's a good idea i don't think it's a good idea for marketing and i don't think it's going to reach the fans that they're hoping it will especially with sony's history of crashing and burning everything having to do with spider-man and what we see right now going on with Venom, you and I both have not been impressed what we've seen so far from the Venom movie as far as the trailers are concerned. And if it continues down that road, then you've got some serious issues going on with Venom being a quality movie when it finally comes out later this year, which could lead into the same problems you had last year with Universal thinking that they were going to go ahead and make that MonsterVerse with even more well-known names from the monsterverse like creature from the black lagoon uh, dracula that whole nine yards like you said names here in the spider-verse that are much 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 less known like you said with black cat silver sable silk which is now something that is in development as well so i'm really just scratching my head saying hey let this thing play out first with venom let this thing play out with spider-man far from home let these movies just see if they can go ahead and connect with an audience put these characters in the movie with them first before you go ahead and decide to go say hey let's go ahead and make a movie with them on our own what are your thoughts out there on the spider-verse that's upcoming 
Would you be excited to see solo movies for Venom, Miles Morales, Black Cat, Silver Sable, and Silk, along with Mobius, which was just announced with Jared Leto coming along the way as well? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, humanity media, and game stores on Facebook and Twitter as well. Coming up next, we've got Billy Donnelly from the Intelligent Wrestling Conversation. He and I are going to be sharing thoughts on the 20-year anniversary of the Hell in the Cell match between Undertaker and Mankind. And then right after that, we'll have some closing thoughts with Josh and I on Bethesda and why are they going back into the courtroom once again. This is the PCC Multiverse. Get ready for Kitty Origins Evolutions, the latest documentary from Rob McCallum. Generously peppered with archival footage shot by the band, this film gives you an honest and brutal look at what it takes to survive in the music industry. Order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from RobMcCallumFilms.com. RobMcCallumFilms.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching. And we're back with the show, Gerald Glassford, once again, for the PCC Multiverse. You know, we usually don't like to go back in time when we're talking about everything in pop culture. We usually like to talk about a lot of things in the here and now as we go ahead and we talk about all the latest news and trends in pop culture. But every now and then, we like to look back on great moments in pop culture history. And at the time of this recording, 20 years ago... There was a great moment in pop culture history. It was the Hell in the Cell match at the King of the Ring in 1998. It was truly an awesome event as Mankind faced off against The Undertaker. And well, people talk about it being the best match they've ever seen, a truly tremendous spectacle. Some people say it might have been something else. But whatever you may think about the, the actual match itself, it's truly one of the most memorable moments in professional wrestling history. And here to talk with me about it today is none other than one of the guys behind the Intelligent Wrestling Conversation. You got to check it out today on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere you can get your podcasts. It is truly, as I always say, one of the best places to go for intelligent pro wrestling talk is my good friend, Billy Donnelly. What's up, man? How you doing? How goes it, dude? Oh, you know, it's another day in paradise here in Vegas, but you know, I usually talk about current events, what's going on in pop culture and all that normally, but being that A, the anniversary was coming up on us real quick here, and then also the fact that I'm still to this day a huge Mick Foley fan, or Mark, as they say in the business, it is truly one of the most memorable moments for many a wrestling fan that not only lived and experienced through the Attitude Era, but also just for pretty much anybody else, it's one of the most memorable matches of that period of time as well. Yeah, I mean, that one is, um, it's probably more of the, one of the most recognizable matches in wrestling history. It was really sort of a landmark match in wrestling history, especially during the Attitude Era uh, of the WWE slash WWF. And I mean, the the match itself created a legacy for, for both its, participants as well as for the match itself you know the hell in the cell match that was really only the uh the third 
Hell in a Cell match to that point and really propelled the Hell in a Cell match to be something uh, of, of note and, and of particular importance from that point moving forward. And really, you know, uh, Mick Foley, who had already been around for, for quite some time as Cactus Jack in the wrestling industry, as well as Mankind for a little while in the WWE, that really put Mick Foley on, on, on the map in, in, a, in a much larger scale than he had been previously in his career. And let's face it, The Undertaker, who has always been The Undertaker, this was just another sort of real major moment in his long historic career as well. So the various components that make up this Hell in a Cell match that took place at King of the Ring in Pittsburgh that year it is a match that, that people have come to recognize and, and sort of the match itself just has its own history. That it does. And there's reasons why that is. If you actually look at Hell in a Cell matches as a quality as a whole, there were probably better ones that you could probably say and list out. The previous Hell in a Cell match with Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker was quite good and probably as a technical match, probably a a little bit better than this match that we're talking about now. Maybe you could say even the Triple H Mick Foley match later, a couple years down the line, was better than what we saw here as well. But When it comes to Undertaker and Mankind in this particular match, the reasons why it has become so memorable, and if you get a chance, check it out on either the WWE Network, YouTube, or wherever you can get your wrestling videos. You've got to check it out if you've not already. It's because of the great lengths taken to not only entertain the fans, some of it was planned and some of it was not. The main component of this match is how one guy doesn't die. I mean, that's really the <laughs> the, the the main draw of this match is because I mean the, the majority of this match isn't even really a match. The match begins on top of the cell. You know, mankind is the first one who comes down to the ring and immediately scales the cage and climbs up on top of the cell and starts the match on top of the hell in the cell. And then the undertaker comes down and follows it. Now, once again, this is really early on in the beginning of the hell in the cell, which is, uh, you know, sort of uh, indicative of, of how this match turns out is that they had this idea, but also didn't really know what the hell they were doing. And so it was a regular size cage as opposed to the, the, the cell now, which is almost double in size to the cell that they were using then. So, you know, nothing like this would, would really happen now or someone would, would, would have serious injury. I mean, I know recently Shane McMahon uh, took a leap off a of hell in a cell, but there was also like a, like a crash, a stunt crash bag beneath his landing spot to make it you know safe. There was no such precautions taken here when the undertaker throws mankind off of the top of the hell in the cell to start the match. And, and this was something that big Foley thought of doing and actually wanted to participate in. I mean, he was like, I think we should, I think I should start on top. And he went up there and basically told undertaker right there. Just throw me. He called the spot right there. I mean, look, you, it's a dangerous thing for anyone to do. For, for to be thrown, you know, fifteen feet in the air, crashing down between a, a breakaway announce table and the padding that that's that's beneath it, you know that that's that's not something that anyone should ever plan to do. But this was their this was going to be their way to sort of uh, you know make their own mark. And, you know, there was a lot of question as to you know how Mick Foley reacted uh, to it, how he how he 
how he took the impact from this because it's I mean, it's it's a long fall, period. And and you know, Jim Ross is there and Jerry the King is there and they're helping sell this, and Terry Funk is there helping to sell this. And a lot of people were concerned for Mick Foley's well-being when this happened. And so before the match even technically starts, the match for all intents and purposes is basically over. And and until they're they're starting to wheel mankind away, and he decides that he's going to get off the stretcher and climb up the cage again and go up top. And once again, this also goes back to showing just, just how, how much they didn't know what the hell they were doing is that basically the roof on this cell was just zip tied to the framing. Because if, if you ever go back and rewatch this match, you'll hear and see the, the roof of the cage just sort of breaking away from the framework because it can't support the weight of these two guys up there. So, when the Undertaker chokeslams Mick Foley and the roof of the cage breaks free and he falls down to the ring canvas on top of the fact that he gets smacked in the face with a chair on the way down and basically knocks a tooth uh, right out of his gums that comes through his nose and is hanging out in his beard. I mean, it's, it's all ridiculous, uh, but but it's something that we'll all remember because they thought Mick Foley might be seriously injured when he went down to the canvas. And he was, if I'm not mistaken, he actually dislocated his jaw partially when he landed. But you add all of that. And then there were thumbtacks at the end of the match as well. So this is plunder and carnage and wreckage. This is a demolition derby of a wrestling match. And I think that's why people like it is because they had never seen anything like this before, even though there's, there's a long legacy of like death matches and, and, and real brutal stuff that's, that's taken place uh, over the course of wrestling uh, history in the, in the past. This was it on a mainstream level involving a, a company that that was sort of universally known by both, both casual and hardcore wrestling fans and talents that people would become familiar with too so the fact that it was done on such a mainstream level i think that's one of the things that really etched it in people's minds for as long as it's, it's been to the point where now all these years later we're still talking about this match you could see the damage to his shoulder internal injuries there upon his first initial fall then when it's compounded by a second fall the length of it is almost as deep and with the chair the added punishment of getting hit by a chair simultaneously just compounded onto that like you said teeth knocked out jaw dislocated going through the nose with that tooth a concussion and so much more obviously it helped accelerate the end of his career as a top level performer it did, however, help him as far as in the eyes of Vince McMahon to the lengths he was going to go to to entertain audiences. And between you and me, I think that's probably one of the main reasons why he was afforded the opportunity to go ahead and become a two-time WWE champion because the people were really behind him, especially after that match. But knowing all that he went through and knowing how famous that match is now throughout history, your thoughts looking back on it now as far as the outcome of what Mick Foley's life and career was after the Hell in the Cell 20 years ago. 
this put him on a, on a different tier than than I think he was ever saw uh, to to be at. And and the Undertaker was the Undertaker, so like this just cemented further what the Undertaker was capable of in his overall legacy in the WWE. But when it comes to Mankind or or Mick Foley, rather, yeah, I, I think this is the match that that really put him in a lot of people's eyes and say we need to keep an eye on this guy because who knows what this guy is going to do next. And and that's really I think the key component of that, that was built around McFoley in the WWE is that you never knew what to expect from him next. And that's why he became very much a must see figure is because he was super unpredictable and, and you had to tune in to see what was going to come next from him because it, it was never going to be formulaic in any way, shape or form. Wrestling is made of moments and there are different things along the way that you will, that will stick with you and you will always remember. And this hell in a cell match, is one of those that you it, it would be nearly impossible for you to ever forget having laid eyes on it my same sentiments as well because hell in the cell for better or worse is one of the true pinnacle moments of mick foley's career and one of the main reasons why he's so well thought of even to this day before we head on out my friend you got to share it to everyone out there why your show intelligent wrestling conversation is a cannot miss podcast if you are a professional wrestling fan i mean because it's intelligent and it's a conversation about wrestling period we're not uh smart marks we're not trying to moan about roman reigns or why this guy is not getting pushed or how that storyline sucked we talk about a lot of things we try to put it in context from an intelligent perspective talk a lot about new japan pro wrestling as well so it's not just us sitting around talking about raw or smackdown and why this week's show is disappointing. Uh, we try to run the gamut of all sorts of wrestling to bring things to your radar that you might not be familiar with, but also talk about it in a in a smart fashion. So if you consider yourself to be a wrestling fan uh, who has some degree of intelligence, uh, then this show is for you because it's right in the title. So it's pretty self-explanatory. It is Intelligent Wrestling Conversation, and you can catch it today on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, the new Google Play app, and so many other different podcast outlets billy it's been a pleasure having you on the show and it's always great to have you a part of the pop culture cosmos if you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games we can help retro city games in henderson nevada only five minutes from the las vegas strip has all your favorite gaming staples classics and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. Thanks so much again to Billy Donnelly of Intelligent Wrestling Conversation. Also as well, Anthony Barberin, our NBA man in the know. If you have any thoughts for the show, any questions, or you'd like to just go ahead and, and just tell us how we're doing, share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, hey, if you like our show, please give us a five-star rating because we are all over the place that you can rate our show. Podchaser, the new Google Play app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and so many other major audio outlets. Josh, as we close out the show, my friend, you wanted to talk Bethesda real quick because it looks like they're going back to court 
again. And this is a company that over the past 20 or so years has gone to court quite a bit if they feel that their properties are being threatened in any way. The good people over at Warner Brothers made a Westworld game and the, it mimics almost exactly the mechanics of Fallout Shelter. And I guess like they're calling it a blatant ripoff because it uses code from Fallout Shelter because it was a former employee at Bethesda. One of the designers of Fallout Shelter helped create this game for Warner Brothers. You know, this is one of those cases that is a little more, you know, seems a little more cut and dry. But, you know, like you were saying, Bethesda has been through a lot of court cases in the uh, past 10 years or even before that. And, you know, the 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 most ridiculous of which is the, uh, you know, that game, Kickstarter game, Pray for the Gods, which was they got mad because Prey was spelled P-R-E-Y. So it's just weird because like when when do you have a monopoly on a word, you know, and like why why go to court over such minuscule things? Well, I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. Well, like I said, with Pray for the Gods, that's just ridiculous. That shouldn't be something that they need to go court over. There's no type of confusion with it. That game was a small indie game and it really didn't connect with audiences in a large way. And in no way was there any type of confusion with Prey, which came out and reached a much larger audience, and which got pretty good reviews and, and decent sales. Whether or not it leads to a expansion of the Prey series, we'll have to wait and see. But come on. I understand what they're talking about with this one. Like you said, it looks pretty cut and dry with the code being taken from Fallout Shelter. But it's just a history with Bethesda that if you cross them in any way, shape, or form, they're just going to go to court on you. And they are very, very protective of the, all their properties, which I guess you can say is a good thing. And for other games or game makers out there, it's not necessarily the best thing that they can go ahead and try to even emulate in any way, shape, or form anything that Bethesda puts out. Yeah, I mean, there are some things that, yeah, you should go to court over and other things. It it just seems like a waste of time, money, and just resources in general to do it. But, you know, in this case, yeah, this is definitely something you should be going to court over because they're using your intellectual, not intellectual properties, but the mechanics behind your intellectual properties to do this. I don't know. There's a lot of this going on in the gaming world, too, though. You have the uh, the PUBG Corporation versus uh, Fortnite, which is always a thing. And then PUBG finally dropped their lawsuit on Fortnite this past week. So they either settled out of court or PUBG just thought is at this point in time it was not worth fighting for. There's a lot of things because I guess with video games, it's it's hard because who has the right to own what, you know, like a first person shooter. If a company comes out with another first person shooter back in the day how did they solve that like oh that's our style game but it's actually just a genre of game there's there's a lot of things that can be sued over like where where's the line drawn i'm just curious i like to read these these court cases with all this stuff but the whole thing with bethesda is just interesting because sometimes they go to court over things that should be gone to court over and other times it's just stupid things i agree with you on that but let us not cross Bethesda because that could be bad if we ever tried to make a Pop Culture Cosmos mobile game that looks a lot like Fallout Shelter. What are your thoughts out there on Bethesda just going to court over a lot of stuff out there? Do you think they're a little bit court happy or do you think it is justified in the way they protect all of their IPs and licenses? Share us your thoughts, Pop Culture Cosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanity Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. So Josh, it's been a great episode. 
and look for our Monday show because we're going to be talking not only what happened this weekend in pop culture, but also as well, give everybody thoughts on Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Astrid. It's another beautiful day right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. What is the Geekly Oddcast? It's a panel show of television... I mean, seriously, where else was I supposed to go and watch Gomez Adams ride a rocket ship on a railroad track? Gaming. And the dice say... 17. Oh my god, 17 is Mystic Quest. And whatever comes to mind. Why does Zod need a starship? Alternating Thursdays on the Geekly Oddcast. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.